All right, so welcome back to the Rich Switch Sports Show, or the Switch Sports Show. Um, today I have a very special guest, my good friend Christy. Uh, he's a really big Cavs fan. You know, just introduce yourself. Yeah, what's up, guys? Um, I'm Christy. Uh, I've been a Cavs fan for like seven years now, eight years, seven years. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'm from Philly. Um, I was part of this like sports page that like me and my friends were, you know, running for like about like a couple of months, but now we're taking like a brief like hiatus just cause like our schedule kind of got like, you know, a little husky, but we're trying to figure that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, but, but, uh, yeah, man, thanks Rich for you know having me on. Uh, uh so I talk about the kids. Yeah. So, uh, basically we've been trying to get this for a little while now. Uh, obviously, if you guys uh, saw, the Cavs started really hot to start the season at like eight and seven. Uh, then they fell off and went two and thirteen, including a ten-game losing streak. But now they've obviously picked it back up um, with the four-game winning streak, and this all started with the Cavaliers-Hawks game, and that was when we were initially going to link up, but you know our schedules collided, and now we're here, and now the Cavs are playing better than ever. So. Uh, we can just start with the Cavs-Hawks game. Um, for me, that was definitely a tough watch at the end, obviously. But throughout the whole game and really in any meeting that it feels like the Cavs and Hawks have, it feels like Colin Sexton, who I think already is someone is like that plays with like a chip on his shoulder. Because um, I feel like he's a guy that, like for one, he's never really talked about as one of the better young players in the league, especially right. at the guard position. Right. But um, also, like, he's a guy that from his rookie year, because I was always big on Colin Sexton um, coming out of high school. There was, like, a viral video of him trash-talking Penny Hardaway's son. Yeah, that's all and, I uh, <laughs> Yeah. So ever since then, I, I was really fond of him. And then I followed him in Alabama when he had a game where he literally played a three-on-five match against Minnesota. And even though they came up short, I mean, it was still – an insane performance. I believe he had, like, 40 that game. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, I think he had, like, 40 points, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It was absolutely absurd. And, you know, we saw him come into the league, and immediately there were already doubters. Uh, there was, like, reports early in his rookie season that teammates didn't really trust him with being, like, a lead point guard of the team, which, you know, looking back at it now sort of makes sense, but also felt really odd to pin on a rookie, you know, very early into the season. And for a guy that, like, people get this notion with smaller guards that they're really, like, inefficient, like, shot-heavy type players. But Colin Sexton has been, like, a very efficient scorer. Yeah. Uh, when you look at his, like, overall splits, like, statistically, he's been a really good three-point shooter since he's entered the league. You know, he's never really fell under 44% from the field, I think, which is really good for a guard of his size, yeah. uh, especially now that he's playing the two position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean... To get back to that game, from what I saw, it was like, first of all, the Hawks just really bad right now. Uh, there's no doububting that. But you know, um, Sexton played. I think Nick McMillan is. A, I think he might turn it around though for sure. But well, well yeah, let's get yeah, back. I'm <laughs> hoping, man. I'm really hoping because I mean, hey, if we like if we just bought him out and you know get a top pick in this draft, I won't be too mad because this draft is uh, pretty insane. Yeah. But coming into this season with so much hope and then seeing how it's unfolded is pretty yeah. disappointing. But, um, yeah, so with the Cavs, I mean, this is like a young team that 
I think Kobe Aitman, that's the GM's name? Altman, Altman. Altman. Yeah, yeah, I think I mispronounced it the first time I brought it up too, <laughs> but uh, Kobe Altman's done like a really good job of shaping yeah. this roster. And uh, J.B. Bakerstaff, I think, has been, you know, one of the more underappreciated coaches uh, in the league. You know, he started off as an assistant in Memphis, and now he's the head coach of the Cavaliers. He took over from like that whole you know, John B. Bealing or whatever. That was like, that was a whole mess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, now, you know, bigger staff has taken over and it seems like this team finally has a direction. They have like a really good collection of young talent that I want to get into. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'll talk more about the Cavs, but if you want to just add anything on before we move on. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, the fact that, like, as a fan base, like, you know, we went from going with a guy like a guy like David Griffin, who like got us like Kyle Korver out of nothing, and he like put together some like crazy ass moves, right? And then when he got fired at um, in what 2017, I believe, like around the Kyrie thing, and then Kobe stepped in. I remember every Cavs fan, they're like, we were all worried. It's like, all right, like, what's this guy going to do? Is he legit? Is he proven? And then you know, the whole IT deal goes down. And, like, you know, that was all right. But then we had that whole, like, trade deadline thing, like, that same year. And ever since then, like, he's been making some really nice, like, trades. We've been, like, accumulating second-round picks and all of that. So, I mean, overall, I, like, you're right. Like, I think uh, Kobe Altman, like, for, like, the first time, like, you know, GM, like, I, I think he's done, like, a pretty good job so far. But, yeah, just adding on to that part because it definitely is important to talk about because I feel like people might don't, you know, talk about it as much. But, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, before we move on, I did – I found this – uh this um, picture, like, talking about the stats of the, the young Cavaliers, like, going on uh, this four-winning streak. So Sexton's averaging 30 points, five assists, and two steals. Uh, Jared Allen's averaging 16, 14 rebounds, and two-and-a-half blocks. Uh, Darius Garland's averaging 17, eight-and-a-half assists, and two steals. And Okoro's averaging nine-and-a-half points, uh, and both a block and a steal per game to go along with four rebounds. So... Basically, the main topic of today's uh, episode is just going to be talking about the Cavs uh, youth on the roster and just their overall team build. And, you know, I do think this team has a really bright future going forward. So I want to start with uh, Darius Garland, who's the point guard of the team. And, you know, this is a guy that I was pretty big on coming out of high school as well. Uh, He was like a five-star prospect, obviously. I ended up going to Vanderbilt, but missed most of the season at Vanderbilt with an injury. Only played, yeah, like, four games. Yeah. Huh? I think, yeah, three or four games, yeah. Yeah. So, I think, like, his rookie year, he was, like, statistically, like, when you look at the advanced metrics and all the stuff that people post, uh, he was one of the worst players in the league. Yeah. And, you know, I was already cautious to write him off just because a player that only played, like, three or four games in college, like, this is his real rookie year, per se, right? Yeah. That's why I think, you know, this this rookie class is so interesting because most of these guys didn't have full collegiate seasons and stuff like that, so it's too early to write off a bus. Right. But back to the main point, like, the thing with Garland that really took me by surprise this year, like, this is um, a guy that, for one, I don't think he was ever, you know, super athletic. He's not, like, a bursty point guard. Um, and, you know, he is, like, undersized. And I think his build is comparable to Trey Young. But... I think what really set him apart this year from what I've seen in years past is his playmaking and, like, his vision. I really, like, feel like even in high school and, like, the brief stint in college and all of last year, it felt like 
Uh, he didn't look too comfortable with the ball in his hands when it came time to make plays for others. But, I mean, looking yeah. at the numbers with, like, multiple double-digit assist games and, like, low turnovers, which also really surprised me, um, he's right. been making a lot of beautiful passes, finding guys like Nance, Okoro, uh, JaVale McGee, and others cutting inside. And I think that really makes the Cavaliers, like, potential uh, even higher. Because I think the biggest question for me was, like, okay, like, you have two scoring guards in Garland and Sexton that can both, you know, score from anywhere on the court for sure. But, you know, Sexton does have a tendency to be narrow-minded at times and, you know, focus on himself rather than create for others, which is fine given that he's such an efficient scorer. But, you know, if Garland can really be this kind of eight-assist guy, right, or, like, just, like, this kind of playmaker and hold this consistently and even build upon it going forward, I think, you know, the potential for this backcourt, you can start to see the comparisons to, you know, the Lillard-CJ um, yeah. backcourt that everyone had once, like, compared them to. Yeah, everyone, everyone's talking about that. Exactly, that's, that's the main comparison everyone's talking about, yeah. So you want to, like, uh, do you want to say anything about, like, Garland, like, what you've um, seen yeah, from your so, perspective? Um, um, so, I mean, like, a funny story. So, I, it's, like, the 2019 – no, wait. Yeah, 2019 draft, right? Um, I remember I was, like, at India at that time. Um, so, like, my – like, so the draft was on, like, there at, like, 3 a.m., right? And then number five, I really wanted Cam Reddish. Like, I really wanted Cam Reddish, right? Because I was, like – I was watching a lot of Cam Reddish highlights in Duke, and I was, like, all right, this guy's, like – he's, like, what? He's, like, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, right? I think. Yeah, he's 6'8", I think. Yeah, 6'8", like, he has, like, a two-way wing, you know what I mean? He could defend, can, like, score. Like, I was, like, I saw, like, a Paul George in him, right? And I was, like, yo, I really want, you know, Cam Reddish at five. Like, that would be crazy if you can get him, blah, 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 right? And then draft night comes around, and we get Garland. And I remember I just went off in the group chat. I was, like, I was like, yo, like, why the hell do we take Garland? Like, I don't want another, like, undersized point guard. We already have Colin. Like, I was, dude, I was pissed, right? I, yeah. Like, I was, I was mad. So, coming in his rookie year, like, I was, like, all right, obviously I don't want him to, like, fail because, you know, he's our number five draft pick. But, like, at the same time, I was, like, like, was he really, like, the right guy to take, right? And, again, like you said, like, his rookie year, like, it, like, it was, like, kind of hard to watch, right? Because, like, uh, he took, like, some inefficient shots here and there and a lot of turnovers. Like you said, like, I'm pretty sure, like, when you look at the advanced metrics, I'm pretty sure I think he was, like, the worst player, like, yeah. like numbers-wise. Um, I think he was, like, dead last, like, every, like, category. It was crazy. And um, But the thing is, though, is when I was watching those games and as the season progresses or progressed, um, you could see that he had that uh, playmaking, I guess, like, uh, like that kind of like, yeah, the playmaking kind of like, you know, um, I guess base, I guess is the right word for it. You know what I mean? Like, like you said, because Colin, because when he was, when Colin was a rookie, it was more like, you know, like tunnel vision, shot creating type stuff, right? Garland comes in and he... He knows how to play. He know how to. He knew how to play. Like you know, the pick and roll, pick and pop. Uh, he knew how to you know find guys for lobs. They didn't always like the passes didn't always connect. But you know, you could see that he had that vision, right? And like I remember, like as, as, again, as the season went on, like you started to see more of it. And we there was that one game. Uh, I, I remember we played against Denver. Uh, I think it was like last January, I believe. Um, and I remember Darius had like. I think he finished the game with, like, 18 points, but he scored, like, a bunch of points in the clutch. Like, he was getting inside and, like, uh, you know, like, stopping on a dime, like, footwork, everything, right? And I was like, okay, like, you know, this is what I like to see, right? And everyone always talks about how he has that, like, 
that Dame type of ability in terms of like you know um, that whole like jitteriness, you know what I mean, in terms of like sidesteps and all of that. And you yeah. know we see that in high school. We see that we saw we saw that in high school rather, and we see that in his like his like open runs in the summer, right? Like his hesitation moves are crazy, right? And it's like yeah, you're seeing it more of it this year. You're seeing how again his his passing vision has really really opened up, and like now you're just seeing him like feeding guys like Jared Allen, feeding guys like Larry Nance, and again like yeah, you're getting you're getting like 18 points. And you're getting like seven plus assists from from like the last couple of games, right? And that's really what everyone wanted to see. Um, obviously, there's like a little, little bit more that I want to see him do here and there. But like again, like the growth and the improvement that he had from last year to this year, it's crazy, right? And that's another thing too. It's like people were quick to write him off, but he's playing the point guard position as a rookie. You know what I mean? And he only played what three games at, at college. Point yeah. guard is probably the hardest position to play in the NBA, right? Or I guess basketball, right? So it's crazy. Yeah. I was like, all right. Same thing with Trey Young, Trey Young, right? Like, because didn't he have the slow start of the season when he was a rookie? Yeah. Right. Everyone was like quick to call him a bust and all of that, and I was like, all right, y'all got to chill, because again, the point guard position is really tough, right? And even still, his, his stats for that last year wasn't really like really that bad, but again, this year, like you're talking about the the, the leap he took is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm I'm really proud of him as a player, like what he's given us. You know what I mean? It's great. Yeah, I mean the way I like the way I comped him, um, just that from last, last season because I I watched like some of his rookie season, uh, more so in the middle rather than the start or the finish because I feel like you know the end of most rookie seasons like you always see, you know some guys like go off right just because they get extended opportunities, extended usage, and obviously in the first couple games, um, <clears throat> in the first couple games, you have like them just adapting to getting into the flow of the game. So I always thought, like, uh, looking at the middle of the season and some of the games in there is the best gauge of where someone is as a rookie. But, um, I mean, the way I see him now is, like, he used to be just, like, a guy that I wasn't sure if he'd be any more than, like, a three-point shooting six-man off the bench. <laughs> but now I feel like I feel like he's more of, like a, like, a hybrid of, like, you know, the all-star Jeff Teague was a couple years ago, but mixed with a Jamal Murray. I don't think, you know, I think he has, like, from a dribbling perspective and just, like, the overall, you know, ball handling ability, I think he's more comparable to Jeff Teague. But with the shooting range, uh, I do see him being more of a more of a Jamal Murray type. And I think that can be, like, a fringe all-star level player. And I think if you do have, you know, Sexton, who I do think um, is, like, an all-star level player. So I guess we're, let's just transition to Colin Sexton now. Um so, yeah, I mean, Colin Sexton, of course, has made another big leap to his game, uh, which is pretty incredible given that he's another – both of these guys are pretty undersized for their position. Um, Garland, of course, is also very light on his feet, and so is Sexton. And being that Sexton plays the two-guard position, I think it's even harder for him. It's not like he's got some enormous wingspan either. Right. But I think the biggest min misconception of Sexton that I saw – was that um, he was a horrible defender. And, you know, he's he's probably not going to be a great defender ever or, like, even a like super above-average guy. But the one thing I really love is that Sexton always shows heart. Like, yeah. he, he's not the type to give up on a play. And that's, like, that's my problem with Trey Young a lot of the time is that, yeah, he's undersized and overclassed by almost every bigger guard. But there are times that he just gets lazy and loses track. And, yeah, it's, like, frustrating. But with Sexton, it feels like he always, you know, knows what's going on around him. 
and he'll always like put his body on the line and really get up in the grill of these guys. And you know, the problem is is that being that basketball has become so positionless, you have shooting guards that are like six two and then you have shooting guards that are like six eight. Right, right? exactly. <laughs> so you can't win every matchup, but you know, I think it really shows to Colin's character the type of leader he is and the fact that he's willing to you know, go the extra mile despite, you know, knowing that he's overmatched. And I think that makes him, you know, easier for teammates to work with and easier for, like, the coaches to work with especially. But, you know, from a scoring perspective and just, like, an overall offensive perspective, um, I think he's been able to do so much more uh, off the dribble than we've seen before. And he's been a player that has always, you know, created his own offense by doing it off the dribble. So... But, like, now he's really – I think he's attacking more, which I really like. Right. Um, I feel like he used to settle for too many mid-ranges or floaters uh, in the past. And I'm just not a fan of, like, floaters in general. I think it's a pretty inefficient shot unless you're, you know, at the best uh, – at the peak, like you're, like, Chris Paul or someone. Like, I watch a ton of Celtics games here in Mass. Every time I see Tatum take, like, a floater, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're 6'8", <laughs> like, 225. Yeah. But – um. But no, so, I mean, Sexton, I feel like he's getting a lot better looks now, especially yeah. with the spacing being better. Because the thing was that Sexton last year, I felt like, was one of the only guys on this team that could actually shoot. Yeah. And that hasn't changed too much. But, you know, with Garland being so much better as a shooter, um, Okoro being a threat, you know, in the transition game, uh, in the cutting game, you know, you have defenses do have to pay attention to him because he's like a bouncy athlete. And then, you know, even though Kevin Love hasn't played, I saw Jarrett Allen, like, hit a three the other day to start the the game against the Hawks. And I was like, dude, what is this? Like, I was so confused. If he adds that to his game, he's going to be a problem. I'm telling you right now. He's shooting 40% of the season, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, that's, that's some unreal stuff because I, like, I saw Jarrett, like, it was literally, like, the first two possessions of the game. And Jarrett Allen got the ball, like, the three. And it wasn't even like he hesitated. Like, he immediately yeah, right. put it up. It looked, like, really clean. And yeah. I was like, have I just not watched Jaron Allen, like, ever play basketball before? <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, sticking, we'll talk about Allen in, like, uh, a bit. But, you know, with Sexton, now that he's getting better looks, um, and even if he's not scoring his offense, I think he's still contributing because now <clears throat> he's, like, bringing um, a level of gravity to where, you know, people saw what he did against the Nets, right? He dropped 42, he was balling on Kyrie's head, all this stuff, you know. Early on in the season, he was averaging like 30 points a game. And obviously in this win streak, he's averaging 30 points a game. And now, you know, defense are actually like planning for him. And he's the focal point of attack, which really opens up things for all the other players on the court. And I think that's what makes him so special. And I don't think, you know... You know, Donovan Mitchell is an all-star guard for, like, the best team in the NBA, record-wise, right? But I don't think there's that much that separates Colin Sexton and Donovan Mitchell. You know, I think Mitchell's defense is pretty overrated. Mm -hmm. Um, Not to say he's bad, but, like, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the players around him being great defenders like Conley, Colbert, uh, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal. And... I think, you know, they are pretty similar players. I do think, you know, Mitchell probably has, like, the athletic edge and sure. just, like, an overall, like, off-balance shot-wise. Yeah. But I think, you know, as players, like, Sexton should be up there as one of, like, these, 
you know, super young guards that are just lighting up the league scoring wise. Um, yeah. Um, right. And I, so, I mean, I guess like going back again, like talking about the rookie year thing. Um, so obviously like those first like two months of Colin in, in the NBA, right. It was a lot of long twos, right. It was a lot of like, just really like really like inexplicable shots. It's like the shots he took in high school. And it's like, all right, like we get it. Like that's your bread and butter. Um, yeah. And it, I guess that's what kind of like sparked those like early uh, veteran, uh, you know, comments about how him not being a good NBA player, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, again, to a degree, it was like low key true for like, again, like the first like two months. Cause again, it was like long, yeah. two, like, you know, crappy floaters. He wasn't really drawing fouls, even though like he had the speed and the ability to, uh, I remember he did a lot where like, in transition, he would, like, run down the other end, but he would just run into defense, right? Like, he wouldn't, yeah. like, dribble back out to the three-point line. He wouldn't, like, you know, reset or whatever. He would just attack, and he'd get blocked or something. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was the most blocked player um, that year, if I remember correctly. Um, but so that was, like, the, well, like, the first, like, three months of his rookie year. And then, literally, I remember after that all-star break, man, he went ballistic, right? Um, I remember I went to the Sixers game. Um when he came to Philly, um, we won the Sixers game. Uh, he had a pretty nice game, and then after that, he played. We they went to play the Mavs, and he had like three back-to-back threes in like the second half and all that. And remember, like just in the second in the second half of this of his rookie year, like his game opened up a lot more. Right, he started making he started taking and making a lot more threes. He started drawing fouls. Um, I mean, he just had like a lot a lot better like I guess like efficiency and just like better like a smarter shot selection, right? And then again, yeah. so the jump from that to last year, his sophomore year, um, again, more points per game. I think he had, like, what, 20.8 points per game last year on better efficiency. Again, better shot taking. Um, his, uh, I guess, his, like, craftiness has kind of opened up a little bit more. His his passing kind of opened up a little bit more. Like, you know, that every year that his, that his like, every year that he's been playing, his um, tunnel vision has been decreasing, right? Yeah. And that's definitely one thing that I really like to see from him because, again, it was like really annoying to see him in his in his senior in his senior in his rookie year. But now, like the fact that his game's opened up, like you said, he has a gravity now because he's smarter now. You know, what I mean, he's taking, you know, much better shots. Again, like earlier this year when we, we were when we started like that, well, like eight and seven stretch, he was averaging like close to thirty. I think he was shooting like forty eight percent from three. I think on like yeah. what four or five attempts, it, it was crazy, right? And it's like, all right, cool. Um, and then for some reason after that, he did go back. I'm not going to lie. He did go back into taking those, like, mid-range shots. Um, that was during that 10-game losing streak. The um, Especially the Nuggets, I remember. Like, they, they game-planned him, game him really well. Um, uh, they just sent a wall after him, right? Like, they just, like, kind of shut him off. And, like, they made, like, everyone else beat them. And then we just got dicked by 30, right? Like, I guess yeah. that – and, like, every team started doing that against Colin. And then I remember – so he kind of slipped back into that. But then, again, recently – He's good. He's been going back to what he did like earlier in the season in terms of taking more threes, um, setting up his teammates, and like what we just saw last night. He had thirty nine points, eight assists. Right? Like, yeah. That's what I, that's what I like to see. Like, you know what I mean? That's what I like to see. If people always have a knock on him that he can't pass, he can't. He doesn't know how to set people up, and I don't think that's really true. Um, based on what I've seen from him for the last like three years, he does pass the ball, but um, a lot of the passes that he makes. Um, I guess are like a tag. So like out of the shots that go up after he, you know, they catch the ball or bricks, you know what I mean? So those assists don't count. Right. So I feel like that's always been like a kind of like a crappy knock on him. Cause I don't think it's, you know, it's, you need context on that, but 
Um, again, but again, what he's doing now in terms of, again, like we said, that whole, whole idea of gravity in terms of him being a scoring threat and then using that to his advantage to set up, you know, people on the perimeter, getting looks for Dean Wade, Okoro, um, you know what I mean, passing it into um, Allen when he's wide open on the paint. You know what I mean? Like, that's really great to see. I, I really like to see that too. Like, just Garland and Sexton overall, like, just the backcourt has, like, really, like, made me happy this year because their growth, like, it shows they've been working, you know what I mean? And that really, like, excites me for the future. Yeah, give me one second. Gotta get files, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, the windy right now is just insane. But um, yeah, I mean, I should be, I should be good now. It's crazy. Here, um, too. Yeah, no, it was yeah. Last night, literally, I was uh, I was walking back to my car and like I was just getting pelted by like snow. Like it was just like like it wasn't even snowing out. It was just like all just right, coming like, in my face from like random areas. But uh, yeah, we're back on now. So if you wanted to just finish your point, my bad. Uh, yeah. Um. But yeah, like I said. Um. But yeah, like I guess it's the leap that he's been taking. Um. You know, this year. And the fact that, look, it's like, you know, three years into his career and he's already in, you know, the all-star considerations. He was number six, right, in all-star voting right behind Trey Young. Um, yeah. So I was like, you know what I mean? Like, that's great to see, in my opinion, you know what I mean? Obviously, there, there were more deserving guards that got in, and I guess rightfully so. But the fact that he was in consideration and he was in the top ten guards, that makes me happy. And, again, next year the all-star game is in Cleveland. So uh, you already know my boys making it <laughs> next year. It don't matter about this year. Yeah, dude. It's always, like, um an uphill battle for, like, our teams because, like, we're not, like, the elite teams. We're not elite franchises. Like, obviously the Cavs have, like, a storied pass with LeBron being there. But it feels like, you know, the minute LeBron leaves, it's, like, people just immediately drop the Cavs as, like, a team they don't care about anymore, right? But, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if only that, you know, hot start, I think lasted, like, a week longer, I feel like Colin Sexton could have gotten in. Yeah, probably. But, yeah, I mean, but I want to shift to a guy that I really loved coming out of this draft. Um, he was actually the guy I wanted most on the Hawks, and it was Isaac Okoro. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, like, dude, I scouted this guy so much. Like, I watched every single game tape uh, there was. And going back to high school, I watched all of his high school highlights, like, I was really, really high on Isaac Accord, and I still obviously am. Um, I think my draft comp, I don't have my mock draft on me right now, but uh, my ceiling was like a Jalen Brown type of player. And obviously, you know, right now his offense hasn't really come together. I think we've seen glimpses of where he can hit like spot up threes. Main point of attack for him right now is in the transition game. Uh, is the cutting game or just attacking the rebound. But what I've, like, picked up on just watching him defensively is he can totally solve this team's problem on defense, like, in the future and really become the key player. Because, I mean, the way I see it is, like, okay, the Celtics have a lot of players who I think are written up as better defenders than they actually are. Like, Tatum and Brown, I think... Um, both have, while their offense has really taken off, I think both of them are starting to lose that effort on defense. And that's really why, you know, the team has struggled uh, this year. And even like, 
you know, in the past, they've had all these small guards, you know, Isaiah Thomas, Kemba Walker, uh, Kyrie Irving, and then Kemba Walker. And they've been able to hide them on defense with Marcus Smart. And this is like, I really think that Okoro can become that Marcus Smart because the way his body is set up, um, he's like a 6'6", you know, 230-pound wing. But I feel like he's 220. No, no, I'm saying he's ripped. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, like the way I see, like the way his athletic uh, build is, uh, he can, I feel like he can cover all kind of guards because he has like the mobility and, you know, the footwork to do so. But I've also seen, you know, the ability to take like power forwards on. And I think the defensive versatility is really like so important with him. And, you know, these are the type of guys that, you don't see, like, make the defensive player of the year, right? It's always more favored toward big men uh, that are averaging, like, a ton of blocks and, you know, obviously dominate the inside, such as uh, Rudy Gobert. But I feel like these guys, like Isaac Okoro, uh, the Marcus Smart hybrid, Ben Simmons, per se, um, are so much more important to the defensive side because of the versatility. And I think if bigger staff can really figure out how to stagger minutes, uh, with Okoro playing multiple positions, he can really unlock the team's defense a ton. And we really saw that in the early parts of the season, and we're starting to get back into it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm very high on Okoro, and I really think once he gets the three-point shots going a little bit more, um, we're going to see, if not a star, as I'm hyping him up to be, oh, yeah, uh, no, yeah, like yeah. a really good player. Yeah. Um, no, what Ball said, that's what I'm saying. So the whole Jalen Brown thing, right? So Jalen Brown, Iguodala, um, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi, right? That, those are all his, like, draft day comparisons, right? And like you said, like, coming into this draft, like, once I knew we were picking fifth, like, Okora was the guy, right? Like, I really wanted Okora, too. I was, like, reading every mock draft, everything, right? And a lot of people had us taking, like, Obi Toppin and, uh, like, Denny Avida and um, all that. Avdija, right? My bad. Um, yeah. I was the guy. Like, they cool players and all that, but, like, Dude, I was watching the cores like Auburn highlights, man, bro. Like his defense, I was like, bro, this dude, like, you know what I mean? Like the way that he was guarding everyone, like I, I loved it. You know what I mean? Like that's like I, I love defense, right? When I play basketball, like, you know what I mean? I love playing defense. Um, I love yeah. like the fact that we're the Cavs are more defensive minded team after being 30th in the league last year. Like you know what I mean? I just love defense, right? So yeah. Oro or uh, Okongu were like my, my choice, but more so Okoro just because, again, like you said, the whole versatility type thing, the fact that we can slot him into small small forward position and, you know, have him play alongside under our undersized backcourt and guard whoever that he needs to, right? And the whole thing with Okoro is the fact that he's 6'5". Like I said, he, he's, he's ripped, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like you said, he has the mobility. Right in college, um, what's the what's the dude's name um, on the Pelicans? He's like their uh, point guard um, that they just got this year. I forgot Bledsoe. his name. Huh? Bledsoe. Oh, the rookie. The rookie. Um, oh, Kyra Lewis. Kyra Lewis. Yeah, Kyra Lewis. My bad. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember there was a game tape of him guarding Kyra Lewis in college, right? And y'all, I'm, Kyra Lewis is like one of the quickest players, the quickest, quickest guards, right? Yeah. Coral switches on him, shuts him down, right? And yeah. then next, and then like I remember, like the next highlight, he was like guarding someone else with like a power forward or something, shoves him down. Like it's crazy, right? So obviously, when I saw that, I was like, bro, we need to have him on the team, right? Yeah. Um, and then again, and then so that was college, and then now in the NBA, the list of people that he's guarded so far: LeBron, 
Chris Middleton, Giannis in a couple stretches, Kawhi in some stretches, Paul George, um, man, who else? Uh, Devin Booker, uh, Jamal Murray, um, Victor Oladipo, John Wall, uh, Trey Young. Trey Young, yeah. Yeah, um, he was on Ben Simmons um, uh, versus Philly. Um, dude, I mean, I don't know. You name – oh, yeah, James Harden, Kyrie, KD. Yeah. You go to all in those Brooklyn games too. Those are those are players, man. You know what I mean? They can drop 30, 40 on any given night. And yeah. you're talking, that's, the, that's the rookie who was playing each and every single one of them, like, you know, back to back to back, especially that whole 10-game losing streak. We were playing contenders, and he was guarding the best player on the floor. Like, you know what I mean? Night in, night out. And just seeing that, it's just like, all right, obviously, I'm not saying, like, he shut him down or contained him, like, all the way, because he's a rookie, right? But the effort and the fact that he got a hand in the face of Chris Middleton, who's, like, a foot taller than him. He got a hand in yeah. the face of Kent Grant, who's a foot taller than him. I remember there was a position, a possession um, against Brooklyn where I remember James Harden tried to ISO him on top of the key. Um, he did, like, the whole, like, you know, like that tween-tween dribble, step back. You know, Cora was there the whole way, forced him into yeah. a brick. Kyrie, he shot off his water. Like, it's crazy. Like, he's a rookie. And you know what I mean? He's shutting down people. And it's like, he's shutting, like, he's shutting down superstars on possession. Not for the whole game, but on, on possessions. You know what I mean? He's playing them well. Especially against uh, Simmons. Like, I remember the first half, like, Simmons was pushing the ball. He was trying to get, like, you know, like, transition opportunities. Second half, a quarter comes out. Stops him from on top of the three-point line. Simmons is passing it out. Right? Just seeing his growth, like, his, de- his defensive prowess, I guess. And it's just so great to see, right? And, again, the whole Jalen Brown thing, the whole, like, comparison with Jalen Brown, it's like – and not just Jalen Brown, too. I guess, like, Butler and, you know, Kawhi. If you compare the rookie year numbers, right, they're all in the same ballpark range. Like, yeah. eight, nine points per game, you know what I mean? Like, well, like, one or two assists per game, blah, blah, blah. But, like, still, like, you know, like that junkyard dog mentality and that, like, defense, right? Think about Jalen Brown, right, rookie year. Um, he really couldn't dribble. He really couldn't yeah. shoot. really couldn't put the ball on the floor, right? Like, he was more, like, scoring inside, right? And, again, that was like, good for what? Like, eight, nine points per game? Now look at him. He's, like, what? Like, 20 points per – well, I, I don't know how – 25 points per like game? Like, 25 or 26 this year, yeah, I right? think. Yeah, 25 – yeah, 26 points per game. All-star, great efficiency. Obviously, like you said earlier, his defense has, like, slipped a little bit, but I guess that's because more of his offensive load. But, again, yeah. you know, it's like you just got to give time – like, players time to develop, right? Like, honestly, I see a lot of fans going, like, yo, a quarter's a bust. Like, you know, wrong choice at five. I'm like, bro, the season hasn't even done yet. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? He's guarding the best player. Adam College, we know he's coming in as a defender, right? We're not we're not coming – we're not telling him to come in and drop 20 and then shut down someone else and, you know what I mean, and get, like, six blocks or something. No, like, calm down. Let him grow. You know what I mean? His confidence as, you know, a shooter has been really good to see. He's taking, like, step-back threes now. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. great. And then he dunked on Jokic like two weeks ago. Like you know what I mean? His, I his that. that was sick. That was that was sick. So I'm saying his, his confidence, like as a whole on offense, has definitely grown. But especially on defense, man, like the fact that he's like figuring out players. Like last night is a good example too. John Wall comes out, scores 21 in the first second half. Yeah. John Wall still had a second second half, but you could see that he had a much harder time trying to score, right? Okor yeah. was shutting out all of his drives, forcing him to, like, long twos, contested twos, and then we eventually won the game. And it's crazy, like, exactly like you said, like, once Larry Nance gets back and we got Jared Allen as a center and Okoro, right? Um, you're talking about those, like, three, like, elite-level defenders around Garland and Sexton, who might have, like, I might add, like, them two have been, like, pretty nice on defense, too. Like, we're talking about 
Sexton's, um, you know, his overall, his kind of mentality of never giving up. And then Garland has been playing the passing lanes pretty well, too. So, overall, like, you know what I mean? If we have a starting five there of, um, uh, you know, Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Nance, um, Jared Allen, before Love gets back, right? Obviously, because Love's offense is crazy. We'll talk about that later, right? But, um, you know what I mean? If we have that starting five, like, that's the perfect balance of, like, lockdown and, like, balanced offense, you know what I mean? But, but my bad, but going back to Okoro, though, like, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, like, I, I really wanted him. Um, my friends and I were watching the draft together, and when they were, like, yeah, the fifth pick. Because I, I turned on my Twitter notifications and everything, right? Like, I turned off everything. I, yeah, always have to do that. <laughs> yeah. So I was, like, it was like so, like, Adam Silver comes out. He's, like, the fifth pick is um, uh, Isaac Okoro from Auburn. Dude, I, like, I screamed. I got hyped. You know what I mean? I was, like, let's go. Um, and I was, like, yeah, bet. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm obviously glad. I really love the fact that we have him, and I can't wait, like, for his development because I feel like, again, like, his, I feel like his two-way, like, ability, like, his potential. I, I, I'm not saying I'm – not, I'm not trying to get away ahead of myself, but, bro, I'm telling you, like, I'm hyped for him. Like, he's a, he's a nice player. He's a nice player. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think, you know, even if, you know, you have guys that are uh, bigger guards, right, going forward, I think they have, like, for the most part, their starting unit figured out. I think if you guys end up with, like, a top pick this year – um, there are players like Evan Mobley who I think could really be like big on this team down low. But even if, you know, this is your starting unit per se, right? I think as you build the bench, because I do think there are some moves to be made, I think you guys need like a scoring guard off the bench that comes off as a little bit bigger that can relieve either Sexton and Garland. And then I think if Bickerstaff can really, you know, deal with, some of these teams that have these bigger wings because now we're seeing a lot of teams that have like um you know the mold of Kawhi and Paul George together like the Celtics are doing it with Jalen and Jason Tatum the Hawks tried to do it with Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter I still believe him by the way I like that I'm not gonna lie I like yeah him. I like I like Cam Reddish um apparently from what I've read today like him and Lloyd Pierce didn't get along at all oh really and yeah oh, okay. I guess like and for one like he just never looked in sync with the team, uh, Cam Reddish, yeah. that is. So hopefully Nate McMillan can patch this year. But, yeah, I mean, I'm still a big believer in Cam Reddish. Obviously, DeAndre Hunter has been killing it all year. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, as if you guys get, like, a bigger guard going forward off the bench, I think, you know, in those periods where the Cavaliers are overmatched in size, you can have a Coro stagger as the two-guard to yeah. either Sexton or Garland. Um and, you know, use that bigger guard as either the guard or the wing and really have um, a better matchup with some of these teams going forward. And I think that would be huge for the development. And, you know, as far as the rest of the pieces go, um, I really like Seti Osman as, like, a nice role player off the bench. I feel like he's been in that mold for, like, pretty good amount of time now, obviously. <laughs> um, LeBron, LeBron's last year, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he's, like, aside from Kevin Love, obviously, he's, like, the biggest uh, remnant from that championship team. Uh, could be forgetting someone else. But, um, well, yeah, I mean, I like... And Delhi too. Oh, Delhi. Oh, he's still on the team? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. But, uh, yeah, him then, obviously. I really like um, that kid Dylan Windler you guys got. I think mm-hmm. he can be a really, like, important shooting asset to this team. Right. Obviously, yeah. I think, you know the most important thing in the league today is shooting and right. having a guy like Windler who you can 
use, you know, basically from anywhere as sort of like a J.J. Redick type of player, Kyle Corbin mold. Um, but I do think he offers a little bit more than that. I've seen, sure. you know, yeah. instances where he, you know, drives off, like makes plays off the dribble. You know, I he's like a little bit more athletic than I really thought he was. Yeah. And yeah. I definitely did not see that coming. Yeah. And his off-ball movement, off-ball movement is crazy too. Like, yeah, like, I mean, he just knows how to get to his... And I knew he was, like, a smart player because I remember watching him in the uh, March Madness run for Belmont, I think, or whatever college that he came from. But I remember he was part of this huge, like, he's part of the... He's one of those big, like, March risers that come um, in the tournament, yep. you know, due to having, you know, the prototypical NBA role player skill set. Yeah. And, you know, getting back to the starting unit, I think one guy who... Uh, really took off that I didn't see before having this much of a skill set was Larry Nance. Um, Obviously, you know, Larry Nance Jr. came into the league, you know, his dad was a former dunk contest champion and all-star, whatnot. And then, you know, the notion of Larry Nance was that he was just like another um, athletic power forward that can really just get up, you know, block a couple shots here and there, but also just dunk the ball. But um came off as very limited yeah yeah and just like you know no one really i feel like no one really paid attention to larry nance except for like lakers fans the first couple years because who really cared about larry nance but you know coming to cavaliers i didn't really see much of him last year but this year i got a chance to watch him and i was really surprised uh to see how important and integral he is to this offense you know you know from a passing standpoint he really you know, he's not as offensively gifted as some of these other guys, but, like, fits the mold of, like, the Sabonis Jokic of really being, like, a playmaker yeah. from the post and, you know, just being, like, a playmaker at the big position, which I think is very important for some of these little guards that can, you know, cut to the basket now or move off ball and get better opportunities. And even offensively, I think, you know, his range has obviously expanded. Oh, and... I think we're seeing him act smarter on the inside because um, definitely before from what I'd seen, you know, I hadn't seen too much of him, but it always felt like he was just, you know, similar to what Colin was doing his rookie year, he's just going to crash um, the glass and try to just dunk everything that he could, right? Yeah. But now I think he's playing with a lot more poise. He's like reading the defense a lot better and really getting to his spots and really looking comfortable offensively. Yeah, for sure. Um, exactly, and that's what I'm saying, too. So, like, again, like, going back to when we first got him, we were watching a bunch of Lakers highlights, and, yeah, like you said, it was just, like, you know, the brim running, the shot blocking, the dunks. Like, just, like, a high-energy guy, right? Um, and then, like, last year, you see him, like, try to, you know, pick up a little bit more of, like, an offensive slack, I guess. And, like, again, like, last year, you know, he, was, he was a good player. I was a guy, cool. But, again, like, you're right. Like, this year, um, just, like, the overall, like, the playmaking overall on not just offense, but defense too, right? Like um, when we started the season this year, 3-0, or again, not even just 3-0, again, like later on in the games too, like when Drummond was locked in and when Larry Nance was starting at power forward, um, the defensive activity was crazy, right? You're talking about the deflections, the, um, you know, the blocks, the steals that we got. Like we were the number one offense or number one defense for like like two or three weeks or something, right? And like them two, like it had a, like a huge role, and Larry especially because, again, like he is like a, like a floor running, you know, like a high energy like deflection guy. You know what I mean? He liked the league in deflections and steals. You know what I mean? So, 
I think just the fact that, again, like you said, like that veteran presence on the floor that, um, you know, when if, if Garland and Sexton can't, you know, get anything going, you can pass it down to Nance and he can initiate an offense. Um, or he can pass the Nance on the perimeter. And he has a much more of a willingness to shoot threes now, which is definitely great to see because it, again, provides floor spacing. And he's definitely shooting at a better clip um, than he was before. Because before it was just more like long twos, right? And then like yeah. two or three threes like a week you know what i mean yeah um, but now it's more like well like three or four threes a game right and he's shooting at a pretty nice like clip too so it's like right his overall growth and his importance to this team has been like monumental and i'm really glad he kind of like picked it up because again i think um without his like i don't want to say like i'm not trying to like hype it up too much again but he kind of has a Draymond presence right like in terms of again like like I said, the playmaking, defensive, you know, just prowess. Um, and again, just like being at the right spot at the right time, just being that smart player on the floor and just the glue guy, right? Yeah. And just being that, him kind of picking up that role has been great for us this year. And I think, um, right, the only thing that kind of hurts is like, he's like, what, 27, I think? So obviously it's like, you know, he's not in our timeline, like I guess like exactly. But I guess the fact that he's so smart and he, again, he has that, Draymond and hopefully later on like Udonis Haslam type role you know what I mean um, yeah it's definitely great to have I think in the system I think it's having a guy like him who can definitely like kind of you know show the young guys what to do and where to be on offense and defense like that's great like that's great for us as like, a young team yeah but um yeah I mean I think you know despite him being old um you know either Kobe Altman is going to flip him for a ton of assets because right. I mean, we saw Marcus Morris drop like 19 a game on the Knicks and get flipped for like three first round picks. Yeah, right. That's Yeah. I don't know if you'll get three first round picks, especially seeing that the Knicks kind of robbed them blind. But um, I mean, if you can get like two quality first round picks and like a young player asset, I think it'll be big. But I could also see a situation in which Bickerstaff and all may come to an agreement that, okay, like, you know, the upside for Larry Nance isn't there anymore because he's basically entering, we're basically in his prime right now. But if he can just be the player that he is for an extended period of time um, defensively and, you know, from like the post playmaking wise, uh, I think he'll still be an asset for the team, whether that's as the starting power forward or as uh, the super role player per se. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, to finish off the last of the young core, I guess, uh, I wanted to talk about Jarrett Allen, of course. And, you know, before we even get started, I think one thing has to be clear to everyone listening to this, like, going after, I mean, I said this when the Cavaliers were involved in the James Harden trade, and I think that was, like, my very first podcast I made. But um, I said right there that the Cavaliers were, like, pretty easily the biggest winners uh i didn't know what like aside from getting the hall of picks right that the rockets did i don't know why they flipped karis over for oladipo i don't know, I don't know. Yeah. like i was always a big fan of oladipo but i mean i guess i just rather have the potential upside of karis than an injury prone oladipo um obviously you can't really well the pacers i guess come out as a winner because they didn't give up anything except like a seven round pick and Oladipo and just walked away with Karis LeBert. I don't know why they were involved in this trade, 
But, I mean, I, I still felt like they could have got, like, maybe a first-rounder from Miami uh, in exchange for Oladipo. And I found out that, like, Karras was, like, 26, which is weird because it feels like he's still a young player. But he's relatively older, and, you know, I still don't – like, I like Karras Levert, but I don't see too much upside in him. Yeah. And, obviously, he's injured right now. And I just don't know what the Pacers are planning to do feels like a team yeah. that's just going to be consistently a playoff team but nothing more than that, more than that right? but, yeah. yeah like but with the Cavs it's like okay you guys gave up I think Dante Exum um and then around I think right I think or like a late first or something like that I forgot the Milwaukee yeah, you gave up a Milwaukee pick which I think was just like a second round or two yeah or maybe it was a first I think it was just a second and that ended up going to Indiana and then um, you gave up some dude named Rodion's Caruso, I think. Or I think no, the no, Nets no. also gave him up, but... Yeah, the Nets gave him up, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, but, I mean, again... Um, but, yeah, I mean, you guys walked away with Tori and Prince and Jared Allen. Uh, I was a big fan of Tori and Prince, given that, uh, you know, at one point when we were in rock bottom in Atlanta, we thought the future of the Hawks was Dennis Schroeder and Tori and Prince. Tori Dark Prince. days, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, Torian Prince is like a really serviceable role player. Again, I don't know yeah. why the Nets gave him up either. I thought he could have been really useful on the defensive end. Um, but I mean, the main talking point obviously has to be Jared Allen. I said it then that, you know, even though it was necessary to give Allen up, uh, it really just reflects on how poorly the Rockets handled it to not yeah. come away with Jared Allen in this trade. And right. the fact that the Cavaliers swooped in and got him i just thought was uh just a masterpiece masterful job by kobe allman you know getting involved in this trade basically giving up dante exum and nothing else and we don't know what that right. will turn into <laughs> yeah i mean like and jared allen you know even if he isn't like a future all-star given that the east is so loaded with talent at this point you know guys like you know trey young are not making the all-star team averaging 27 and 9 right Chris Middleton, who's been, like, one of the better wings in the NBA uh, yep. from defensive and offensive, uh, is just not making the all-star team just because there's so much talent. Yeah. But, I mean, regardless, Jared Allen was a fantastic pickup. Obviously, you know, we talked about him hitting threes now earlier, which was, like, a, a crazy new progression. And I, um, <laughs> but yeah i mean from you know offensively he's such a great rebounder and obviously that works defensively and even offensively i think he really opens up the game for garland more because i mean we'll talk about andre drummond to finish finish today off but um you know when drummond was getting the ball from garland you know take time off the clock uh, often settle for um erratic layups or you know trying to just bulldoze his way through which, again, I mean, Drummond's, like, a really big, strong guy, so sometimes it would work, but often it would just slow down the pace of the offense and really yeah. make things um, easy for the, you know, the defense to set up and to, like, the opposing team to set up defensively in a transition to offense. And with Jared Allen there, I think he's playing right at the pace that Garland and Sexton both need him to play, which is a high-energy, uh, fast-paced game. Jared Allen's like setting all the right screens as far as I've seen. Um, you know, obviously, you know, people joke about jazz fans bragging about Gobert's screen assist, right? <laughs> but 
I think it's like it's a pretty real thing, and you know, Jared Allen doing what he does is like the best example of that. And you know, if the Nets kept Jared Allen, like they would undoubtedly be unstoppable mm-hmm. because of how good he is on defense. And yeah. I'm I was like so shocked to see really him come into his own because even it still felt like he was limited uh, playing alongside guys like DeAndre Jordan and other bigs that would be in his airspace. But now, like, when the Cavaliers are running, whether it be Larry Nance or Dean Wade that are more so stretching the floor out, I think we're really getting to see what Jared Allen can do as a complete uh, product. And obviously, you know, not like he's complete because he still has room to grow. But, you know, what he is right now for what he is instead of, you know, only part of it, which is I feel like what we've seen. And, you know, just, I mean, the athleticism, shot blocking ability has been off the charts. Um, he does a great job rotating um, onto guys in the paint. And I just think, like, I did not realize he was so intelligent. Like, I always thought he was a good defender, but I thought it was more because of his size and his athleticism rather than, you know, his own, like, intangibles, such as his awareness. But I think now that I'm tuning in more to, you know, Cavaliers basketball in general, I'm seeing a lot more of Jared Allen's, like, intelligence and how he really picks up on the opposing offense. Right, for sure. Um, That's exactly right. That's what I'm saying. Like, because remember, like, the whole, like, highlights where he was blocking guys like LeBron, Blake Griffin at the rim. You know what I mean? Again, that's what I thought, too. I thought it was more like a highlight play, you know, like, type guy, you know what I mean? I didn't know he was, like, that smart when it comes to, like, his instincts, right? Um, and, again, like, I guess another funny story is, like, it's similar to, like, the Darius Garland draft thing. Um, I remember, like, again, when that whole, like, well, I remember when Bose reported, like, um, the Nets are, uh, like, trading, uh, or, like, they're, they're getting James Harden, and then, like, it's a three-team deal, blah, blah, blah. And, but they didn't, but he never, but, you know, they never said who the third team was, right? And yeah. I just remember putting, I was like, I bet, let's go Cleveland, right? I was like, yeah, let's go, right? And then literally going about five minutes, it was like, all right, the Nets are sending uh, Jared Allen's hard prints to the Cavs. And I saw that, I was like, yo, that's no way, right? And then I was like, all right, yeah. that means, sure, I mean, like, that's probably, that probably means, like, uh, I guess maybe, like, Drummond's in the trade, probably, or something like that. And then I see who we trade. It's Dante Exum, who was injured. And then, like, a crappy second-round pick for Jared Allen and Tari and Prince. And I was like, dude, there's no way. Like, I actually couldn't believe my eyes. Like, this has to be, like, an April Fool's joke or something, right? Yeah. And, and again, like, his impact on the game, on, on like, on the, on the team in general has been great. Like, you said, like, when he was coming off the bench for Drummond, um, you could see that change in pace in, in terms of offense, like you said, right? So, because it's like when Drummond's in the game, he kind of wants his post touches, he slows it down, uh, the ball movement kind of stops, right? But when Jared Allen checked into the game, he set screens, he rolls, um, or if he did catch it on a roll, he'd kick it out, you know, try to get like a, like a you know, like a perimeter look. Um, and that's what I'm saying. It's like in terms of the right center to grow with our backcourt, like Jared Allen is the guy right? Um, he has the defense that you want. And on offense, he has that touch around the rim and that rim, like the vertical spacing, you know what I mean? Um, around the rim that you really want. And like I said, there he's only 22. He's got like plenty of game, you know, to add, you know what I mean? Like he had that three-point shot that he's shown flashes of. And I mean, I think he really could like realistically add, or even if that never like translates, maybe even like a mid-range touch, you know what I mean? Um, but I'm saying like overall, like um, I think Look, I just think the, the fact that he he puts up crazy numbers, but at the same time, 
he doesn't try to do too much and he plays with high IQ is what like thrilled me a lot. You know what I mean? Like he's just not a guy who wants to, uh, you know, go out there and just make highlight reels. He wants to make like the white plays, but again, like thanks to his like, you know, his God given, like, you know, his length and just ability and IQ in general, like he's able to like, you know, actually like, be there at the right time, do the right thing. Like I said, and like I said, the same thing with the core too, right? It's like the guys, the fact that these are two guys that like really care about defense and just overall just could like care about making the white play in general, right? And just making like the high IQ plays. Um, I think that's really what's, what thrills me. Um, and then like, I guess like second part of that, that trade deal was what, Torian Prince. Um, he's like, what, 25, 26? Like, all right, like he's also yeah. a nice like, D guy that came, you know, along in that trade. And I think he's been a pretty nice like player off the bench for us. Um, and he's definitely like opened up the floor, open up the floor too. Um, cause you know, again, our, our spacing is like pretty trash for like, you know, the last couple of games, but I mean, again, with Windler catching fire and then, um, when Torian, when Torian was playing, um, you know, like our floor definitely opened up a lot more. Cause again, when, you know, love's not there, Larry's not there. Like, dude, it was like, it was disgusting to watch. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact that, um, you know, Torian came in is definitely good. Cause I always thought that was like a underrated part of the trade. Um, but yeah, man. But just overall, though, like Jared Allen, like love him. Again, like same thing I've said for the last, like you know, for Garland Sexton and Okoro, like I seriously can't wait for his future because again, like his his ceiling is like is up there. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think going forward, um, obviously, I think the team's gonna get like better uh, year after year, and um, that like is like the main young core, obviously, but. This team still has assets they can play. I think, you know, going back to the trade, one thing I just thought of was, like, okay, the Rockets, like, really just valued Dante Exum and a second-round pick over Jared out. And just something yeah. that came to my head right now, but crazy to think about. But, um, yeah, I mean, to wrap things up, uh, you guys still have a bunch of assets, like, on the team that I think um, you can either go one way and have them be um, the bench mob that kind of defines your role players. I think those are more so guys, like, Chetty Osman, uh, Windler, maybe Tarian Prince sticks around. Yep. Um, potentially Delhi, given that he has the experience and leadership of being on championship rosters. And obviously, you know, what he did against Steph Curry way back when. Sure. And um, Curry's yeah, no, he, was, he was insane that series. And uh, But at the same time, this team has a group of trade assets, you know, namely being Kevin Love and Andre Drummond. Obviously, you know, Kevin Love's been injured, so, you know, we won't talk about him now, and there really haven't been any rumors. But, I mean, the hottest trade topic probably since uh, the Harden trade has happened has been debatably either Bradley Beal or Andre Drummond. And, you know, with Drummond, there's been so many. I feel like literally every team has been linked to Andre Drummond, right? And <laughs> Yeah, and I think um, one of the most important things that I've, you know, picked up on is uh, I don't think, you know, Cavaliers fans should expect like a massive haul for Andre Drummond back. Not just because, you know, there is a rift obviously between him and the team, but also, you know, last year when you guys got Drummond, you guys gave up John Henson and a second round pick, you know, and that really shows. Yeah. I mean, it shows like I talked about Andre Drummond, I think like two or three episodes ago. And I was saying like, this is, you know, statistically, uh, from, like, rebound percentage, he's the greatest rebounder of the last decade, which, again, sounds really insane to think about, right? Because it's Andre Drummond, not, like, an all-star, superstar player. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's obviously teams that can use him. Um, I'm mainly thinking of, like, contenders. I don't think the Nets should pursue him. Uh, and I don't think the Cavaliers... I think the Cavaliers should really try to leverage Drummond as much as they can. Um, there's a good chance for me that it does, it does just end in a buyout because, you know, there might not be something worth taking. But I do think Kobe Allman's obviously very smart. I do think, you know, he will get something out of Drummond. And if, you know, if he's looking at the Celtics, right, you know, they don't, I don't think Andre Drummond's like a great defender, but I do think that the Celtics just need someone with size because all their centers are like six nine and under. It's really weird. And they can't hit threes or anything. They're just like traditional big men that are small, which mm-hmm. makes no sense. Like I've literally seen them throw out lineups with Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice starting. It's the most absurd thing ever. But, um, you know, if they want to bring in Andre Drummond, you know, I think you leverage Drummond and try to get... Because the Celtics have, like, a lot of young talent. And I think, like, teams like the Celtics, uh, the Raptors, the Heat, they have a bunch of young, you know, role-player-type guys that, you know, don't get much run on their team. You know, namely, I think, for the Celtics, the guy that's coming back from injury uh, is Romeo Langford, um, someone that really hasn't done much in the NBA so far. Yeah. But... Given that, like, the best you gave up for Drummond is John Henson and second-round pick, I think you take a shot right. on someone with that upside play. Obviously, they would also have to send you the trade exception, which I think could be used, um, like, really to an advantage because it's, like, it's the Gordon Hayward trade exception. So it's hefty, $30 million exception. So, yeah, I mean, I think if you can get, like, an unproven young player with, like, a D- decent amount of upside or someone that shows potential to be at least like a role player yeah. i think that would be good but obviously you know given that you guys still are considered you know a rebuilding team um accumulating any sort of picks is obviously still good um the cavalier scouting department to me has shown their worth with guys like lamar stevens and dean wade you know showing their value um i think both of them being undrafted if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, I mean, so picked up, you know, Windler at the end of the first round. Yep. Uh, way back when, it looks like he's starting to pan out after not getting much playing time last year. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, so to just end this, because we are over an hour now, yep. and I just want to ask you, you know, what's your prediction for the Andre Drummond situation? And, um, you know, what what's your thoughts on just, like, Drummond as a whole? Because... I've never been a huge fan of Drummond, and it feels like you know every single year the value, his value, like goes down tremendously. Right. Yeah. Um. For sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, just overall, like, just thoughts on Drummond. Um. I just remember like, you know, seeing his numbers when he was a Piston, and I was like, obviously, this dude's like crazy because there was like a bevy of like what, like eighteen and twenty games, twenty and twenty games. He had like thirty and twenty games. I was like, obviously, like this dude's a crazy interior presence, right? So, um, so I watched him, like, here and there. Like, I never really thought, like, you know, he was, like, an all-right player or his, like, stats were, like, slightly inflated. Um, always thought he was, he was, like, a solid player, but I guess, like, the Pistons never had really had a good, like, surrounding, you know, roster to kind of give him success. Um, you know what I mean? So I remember, like, I met, like so we played uh, the Pistons 2016, like, the first round, right? And I remember, like, he was a pretty, like, solid center. I was like, all right, this guy's cool, right? And then he made, like, what, like, two all-star um Two all star uh, two all star teams in twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen. Yeah, I believe. I believe so. Yeah, right. So I was like, all right, this guy's a nice player, right? And then, um, 
yeah so then we get them last year the trade deadline and i was i was pumped right because i was like like because we were literally linked to no one right we were quiet for the whole trade deadline day and then literally like 245 like right before the deadline um it said like bam like woge bomb like cats are getting andre drummond i remember i was uh Drexel, like studying for one of my exams or whatever and i was like yo no way i got hype because he was like it's a big name um you know what i mean all-star like caliber player and that's still how I feel now. Like I'm not gonna like, even though like I guess the experiment didn't really exactly pan out. Um, I yeah. have any sort of like any sense of like, animosity towards Drummond, um, just because he kind of like propelled us low key back into the, like sort of relevancy. You know what I mean? Like, because like, again, he's like another all star guy that's in our front court. You know what I mean? He's active. He's great. Um, and you know what I mean? Like, just overall, I'm just kind of glad that it happened. Like, and again, we didn't lose anything on him, right? It was just again, yeah. like, John Hanson, Brandon Knight, and two second round picks. So. Again, like I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that he's on the team. He's a great veteran. He's a great locker room guy. You know what I mean? The, the team loves him. When KPJ was here, apparently them two were really close and really communicating. Um, but overall, him as a player, um, what I said earlier with the whole Larry Nance thing, his numbers, like in terms of like defensive win shares and just overall eye test, like he was playing DPOY level, like to to start the season when he was engaged, he was doing everything. He was breaking up lobs. He has really good hands as a center. He was like stripping point guards. He could, he could actually pretty, he could switch like onto point guards on pick and rolls like pretty well, and like he was playing DPY level defense. And I was like, okay, like that's cool, right? And then again, like in January, we had the whole like rough stretch after those Nets games. He kind of lost his like focus, and then that's when the whole like benching happened, and that's like the whole low key like you know recent like weird thing that you see going on with him. Um, and again, I don't guess I really don't blame him just because our offense was kind of like grinding to a standstill. And I guess what he was trying to do was trying to like, you know, shoulder that, that responsibility, um, which I really don't blame him. But I guess he could have executed better. But again, I'm not mad at him for it, really. Um, but as far as like trade options go, um, a team that I thought really could, you know, I, that I'd really be down for. And I saw like earlier was the, um, the Raptors. Um, I saw a trade where we would send Ben Drummond and Dean Wade and we would get back. Uh, Norman Powell, Stanley Johnson, McCall, um, and I think Aaron Baines. And I, and I know that sounds like a hefty return, right, for Drummond. But the thing is, this is like, um, you know, the Raptors, like, centers are kind of trash. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not, there was Definitely. literally a game where they gave up, like, what? Like, I mean, they gave up uh, 22 offensive rebounds, right? To, yeah. You know what I mean? It, it was crazy. And they had none that game. So it's like, they could definitely use a guy like Drummond. If a guy like Nick Nurse could utilize him correctly, I feel like you can you can start to get a productive Drummond again, right? And then yeah, the whole thing will like. So then my friend was like, um, so then why the hell would they give you Norman Powell? First of all, for salary, right? Second of all, Norman Powell has been playing great, but with Ananobi coming back, he's got to go back to the bench. He also has a player option this summer, so that means like he might want to like test his uh you know free agency value because he has been balling out, right? And he could yeah. probably get a bigger role. Like Jeremy Grant looked for, right? So I feel yeah. like that that the, the Raptors got to consider. So that would be a thing that I'm looking forward to. The the Mavericks are a name that I heard. We would get like um, Dwight Powell and like James Johnson, which I'd be I'd be fine with, I guess. The Knicks were also really interesting. We would trade them, uh, Roman, and we get back uh, Frank Niakina, Kevin Knox, and Rollins Noel, and like a second. Like that would be a really nice trade too, because like you said, like we can get like a project player and you know Niakina and Knox, like a high help side, and our defense would you know get better too. So. Um, we have plenty of options. And like you said, like I've seen the buyout rumors a lot. I don't really buy it because again, like Kobe Altman is a really smart GM and there are a lot of teams that I feel like could really use like, like an elite, like low post 
like you know presence and i feel like you might as well take a chance and trade for him rather than wait for a buyout and then you know starting bidding war with like 15 other teams right i feel like that yeah. might be a rip because again in the end he still is an elite you know low post um presence when he's locked in is that you just yeah. need that to you know buy him into the system and i feel like again i think rick carlisle nick nurse um like i said brad stevens um, maybe even Tom Thibodeau, they could probably all buy him in. And that's not knocking on JB because JB had his, JB had a locked in drum, and I, you know what I mean. But I feel like if you can tell him, all right, we're playing for a bigger, bigger goal in a championship, he'll definitely buy in, and you can definitely get a low, low, uh, you know, low post threat. And um, I feel like a team is going to definitely cave in and definitely going to, you know, trade for him soon. Yeah, um, just to you know wrap things up, uh, you definitely gave me like a better perspective of Andre Drummond. Um, you know, the general consensus based on, you know, the couple of games that I've seen and just, um, you know, what everyone has to say on Twitter is that, you know, Andre Drummond is just straight up not a good basketball player anymore. That's and correct. although I never, yeah, I know, I didn't, I never stooped as low as that. Um, there were some possessions, like especially offensively, but now, you know, given that, you know, the idea that I really made me think of the whole bigger picture that, okay, he's like a all former all-star player. And, you know, the offense has come to a standstill. So it makes sense why he would, you know, try to take things more into his own hands, which evidently, you know, didn't always pan out the best results. But it does give me, you know, more of an idea of why, you know, such a thing was happening. And definitely, you know, I still think, you know, definitely you're right. Like any team that really needs like a low post presence or like some sort of size and uh, rebounding should definitely look to grab Andre Drummond I think you know the main knock on him has always been uh his focus dating back to his Detroit days and you know speaking of the move um from what I see on Raptors Twitter is that uh they don't actually like Norman Powell too much because they really do have too many shot creators on their team and yeah and I think you know they I think they would definitely welcome a swap of that sport um, you know, Stanley Johnson obviously was a former uh, top 10 pick that hasn't panned out, but still offers uh, decent size and length on the defensive end. And so, and you know, McCaw has like, I think it's kind of hard to say what McCaw really brings to the table. But, you know, being on jail, yeah, I feel like this guy averages like five minutes a year, but like you still see him on an NBA team every year. So that makes me think, like, okay, like, there has to be some sort of intangible factor to Patrick McCall. Obviously, he's won multiple championship rings, as crazy as it is to say that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the guy's, like, legendary for coming into the league at, like, 18 years old and, like, winning three straight rings by doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> gotta but, be um, yeah, so I guess, like, he has some you know, leadership qualities or something, you know, it must be like a good locker room presence. Like, you know, I think the more that I'm diving into, you know, looking at NBA stuff and just basketball in general, you see the importance of, you know, locker room guys, guys that, you know, aren't necessarily the best players on the court. You know, like a guy like Bismack Biombo in Charlotte, who I've read, who I've watched play in person. I'm just like, wow, this guy's absolutely terrible. Like he's an undersized, like traditional big man. Uh, LaMelo Ball will like whip him a pass and he'll like, absolutely drop it or like just like uh alligator arm it whatever and i'm just like dude why is this guy on the court but you yeah. know from what i've read is like he's the heart and soul of the hornet so i mean there's that but yeah i mean that's all we have for today uh christy 
thank you for coming on. Obviously, um, definitely look forward to doing this in the future. Hopefully, whenever the Cavs Hawks next meet up, um, sure. you know, if you ever want to come on for like a big trade, big news, it doesn't always have to involve the Cavs, you know, and it doesn't always have to be basketball. We can talk about, you know, you're an Eagles fan, right? Yeah, I watch the Eagles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we can talk about that or just like, you know, whatever, and just hit my line. But, yeah, of course, thank you for coming on. Great talk today. We spent an hour talking about Cavaliers, right? I mean, who else does that, right? But, um... <laughs> yeah, but, uh... So, the rest of the schedule, I mean, I think I have a... I'll probably drop a video about the Hawks firing Lloyd Pierce. Kind of have to, given I was so excited about that. It feels like a weight I lifted off my shoulders. 